0: Good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Five for Breakfast. We're now in our 34th episode of 2021. You know, it's hard to believe that it's September already. You know, where did our summer go? But as we discussed last week, the House, uh, we, we had expected the House to vote on the bipartisan infrastructure deal later this month, which includes $65 billion for broadband infrastructure. It appears the House will take the Senate bill as is, so once it passes the house, it'll go to the president for his signature and it will become law. If things go as planned, we should see a big signing ceremony in the mid-October timeframe. So I wanna thank everyone for joining our special broadband infrastructure webinar a couple weeks ago. You guys provided a lot of great questions. And so we took the time to write up the answers and send out a complete Q&A to all the registered attendees. I love all the questions, so please keep them coming. Today, we have a very important session to talk about a critical topic, precision agriculture. And again, good morning and welcome everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, the president and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. You know, last week we met with Bobby Gonzalez of the Ocado Nation of Oklahoma to discuss tribal broadband. And today happens to be the deadline for the $1 billion in NTIA grants to expand broadband access and adoption on tribal lands. We look forward to working with tribal leaders and network operators in their efforts to deploy fiber to help enable digital equity across our nation. Today, we're gonna to hear from our good friend, Chad Roop on precision agriculture. Precision farming is set to become the most influential agricultural trend in developed countries. As we deal with the realities of a changing climate, the need to conserve water, and the, need, the critical need to improve efficiency through resource optimization and cost reduction. Chad Roop, managing, a managing member of Rural America Strategies, is no stranger to the challenges faced in rural America. Chad served as the 21st administrator of the USDA's RUS. Chad's credentials include leading the Reconnect broadband program. Chad implemented the 2018 Farm Bill changes to rural broadband, including smart grid deployment of fiber for rural electric co-op distribution networks. In his time as administrator, he deployed over $18 billion in federal loans and grants for rural broadband, rural electric co-ops and investor-owned utilities and rural drinking water systems throughout the US for over 8,000 utility borrowers. In addition, Chad served as Secretary Sonny Purdue's representative to the SEC Precision Agriculture Task Force. Prior to that time, he served as USDA Rural Development State Director in Wyoming work with the state of Wyoming and delivering its state broadband plan uh following recently passed state legislation so welcome Chad really great to have you here
1: good morning gary and, and thanks everybody for joining us um, this is something that is near and dear to me. I currently um, hang my hat in central nebraska um, and just yesterday I was out visiting with a farmer and uh going out to his pivot and his uh cornfield and looking at the precision ag technology that he has put onto some of his equipment. So it's uh, very timely and it's very interesting to see things happen um, right at the, the point of impact. So it's, it's pretty exciting and I'm very glad to see that everyone else that's on this call has this interest in this topic. There are so many opportunities for internet service providers to engage in solving not just the broadband gap, but in really helping with the major issues of today and tomorrow such as meeting the ever increasing demands for food production in a growing world population, while at the same time strengthening our rural economies and conserving water in areas of the nation that are experiencing water rationing. You know, you see a lot of that with the irrigation districts and unfortunately now we're starting to see a lot of it in the Southwestern United States. So it has a pretty heavy impact in those areas of concern. It also would allow us to reduce the need for low wage farm labor by using things such as artificial intelligence and robotics, and reducing the impact of chemicals and the harm that they provide after they're uh, put onto the fields and what they do to impact the environment beyond the field. So farmers and service providers are changing the nature of a very traditional business, and they're working very hard to innovate on the food supply system. However, just as the broadband gap exists between urban and rural, There's a big gap that also exists for precision agriculture today and today I want to explain to those who are unfamiliar the concept of precision agriculture, where it's currently positioned in the market, what is being done by industry, where federal funding opportunities are, and where they are not. My goal today is to plant the seed for the internet service providers to plan for building precision ag with the huge federal funding effort that's on the horizon, so both the farmer and the provider can build the rural economies and really harvest on those profits. When properly implemented, it can improve the service provider's profits as well as the farmer's profits, all while doing the right thing. First, it is important to start with an understanding of the agriculture industry by starting at the farm. Corporate ag is leading in many precision agriculture applications. They're usually able to leverage greater financial capacity to fund research and development and test applications, such as what we see at the Grand Farm in North Dakota, where I visited recently, and at many ag extension offices and universities. That's really where we see a lot of research and development happening where a lot of money has been funneled to support these technological advances. However, many of the family farmers who live in rural America are not able to leverage their farms to adopt experimental technologies. They lack the financial capacity of big ag and universities. And quite frankly, as we all know, they lack the connectivity. They're not meeting the density needs of service providers to connect them. And if one only looks at getting the home connected, there is limited return on investment of getting the farm connected. However, when adding precision agriculture, the benefits can be truly huge. Most production in the United States is from corn, soybeans, and cattle. So the row crop operations, as it's called, and the feeding of livestock is where precision ag can make the largest impact. You know, there are a lot of other things that get done in the agriculture industry, but I focused in on these areas because that's where the lion's share of agriculture production hits. So there's a lot of other things that we could add into this, but in the spirit of time and trying to focus our discussion, this is where I thought it was most important to have our our conversation. Family farms produce over 20 percent of the food we consume currently, yet they make up about 2 million locations in rural America. So there's most definitely a place for providers to engage. However, most federal funding only funds the construction of a location or connection once. So when planning for building out to these locations, if the provider can take advantage of gaining more technology to meet the needs of the farmer, You can drive up take rates and increase the monthly charge for a better service and reach not just the farmhouse, but the whole farm. You know, I visit a lot of farmers and ranchers and I see a very engaged group who have a strong desire for better profits and better production. If they had access to the right tools, they would build better production. However, they cannot afford to be someone else's lessons learned from a failed experiment. The agronomists that they use still have a lot of 20th century methods for collecting and analyzing data. And it's not real time. It is usually a two-week turnaround on some of this information and the farmer has little data, it's a second guess, a bad recommendation and unfortunately has to live with the results of that harvest and as you've seen from these models here there's not a whole lot of room for failure and that's an expensive way to live. When risk can be reduced so can the cost of doing business. The benefit of adoption seems to currently average about 15% on gross income for the farmer. And when you meet the farmers, you find that the ones who have connectivity are usually co-located to more urban areas and are greater advocates. The ones who are more distant might engage in a few benefits such as John Deere's GPS, and then also for auto, for auto steering their tractors as well as they may have a few sensors on their property, but they don't have real time engagement and data management across their farms. They don't have integrated systems, and they have not gained full benefit of ever-increasing technology advances. They're also not connected at the farmhouse and even even to the FCC standard of 25.3. However, they are likely provided electricity by the Rural Electric Co-op or the Telephone Cooperative to give them the basic services of possibly cellular or even landline. And if they had real-time connectivity, they could engage in more activities to support their operations. So today's family farm is not taking full advantage of precision ag the way that big ag is. And let's talk about what we could see on the farm today. For example, irrigation pivots, which is a sidebar, are usually connected with cellular or um, even rural cellular, which we all know is is worse than normal cellular, uh, just due to the the distances that are traveled and things of like that nature. But getting back on topic, the irrigation pivots they could really help with applying chemicals and water. And when combined with monitoring of soil and crop conditions from real-time sensors, you could see the massive benefit that could come from that. The data management could determine which areas on the field need certain applications of water and chemicals, rather than a blanket application across the field, thereby reducing waste of chemicals and water in areas where they're not needed. And in dryland applications, which is where you don't have irrigation pivots on the farm for the row crop operations, The farmer could find better yield by pinpointing disease and pest and soil conditions by using his equipment for precision ag during planting and then at harvest. Older equipment could be retrofitted with instrumentation and communication equipment, not just to auto steer, but providing feedback and building the database for the year's harvest and planting, as well as pest and disease control. This allows the farmer not to need to spend a million dollars on that shiny green tractor with all of the latest bells and whistles. And if you get back and you, and we're not going to do it here, but if you look back at that previous slide, think about what an impact is on having that costly equipment on your farm and the impact on profitability It happened to make payments. So that allows, if you can take precision ag and get that to the farmer, they can realize the benefits without going broke on lease payments to the factory. The database needs to be close to the farmer and reduce the time needed to process data so that we can have fewer workers and more artificial intelligence, such as through robotics. However, it is difficult to give you accurate costs for the different proprietary products that are marketed by everything from startups to large corporations. And that's why you see some of the X's on those dollar signs. The industry is very proprietary, very fragmented and decentralized currently. And I see costs anywhere from a, $100 $100 for a sensor that doesn't obviously cover the entire farm to over $30,000 for a piece of equipment to retrofit it, to $1,200 for equipping a, a uh, irrigation pivot with with cellular connectivity and sensors. So, it's really all over the map for what these costs are and how to get that implemented family farm level. So what I'd really encourage everyone on this call to do is um, read a recent publication from the Grand Farm. It's called the Digital State of Agriculture in 2021. You you can gain insight on what we're talking about here and who's doing what in the industry. And it was published by Xcube Labs. So that's the State of Digital Agriculture 2021. And also, um, there are a lot of ag websites that are giving more attention to this trend, such as precision planting and and some websites of that nature that really can help out. And when you combine all of this effort, the Department of Agriculture, in a study that was done while I was uh, at the department, shows that planting and production can increase the GDP by $11 billion just for row crops. But not only the farmer benefits, the entire food supply chain can increase the GDP by up to $64 billion annually. When Congress discussed and included the one-time $65 billion in the infrastructure bill for broadband that Gary was just discussing, think of the return on investment when adding precision agriculture on-site equipment to the eligibility of these funds. The cost to taxpayers can be returned rapidly for everyone in the food system from consumers to producers. However, it is important to note that currently in the federal regulations, on site equipment for precision agriculture communications are excluded from broadband funding or they're omitted. And in order to change this situation, there are two ways we can go about do, doing so. The one literally requires an act of Congress. And so this is very timely that we're here having this conversation. The best way is to have Congress change a few sentences in the pending infrastructure bill that would positively allow precision agriculture to be an eligible expense. The other option is to have matching funds from state governments be used to enhance the build-outs, such as the use of ARPA funds that are distributed now to state and local level. And a lot of states are also doing their own funding mechanisms so if they can put this onto those types of systems that can really complement the federal effort. If we stay on the current path, however, we are shutting out the economics of connecting two million farms and not closing the digital divide with a sustainable operating capacity to reach the least dense areas of the U.S. We're also leaving 20 percent of our food behind when we can at least afford to do so. So far, the focus has been on the farm, and Precision Ag is for the entire decision support system of the entire food supply chain. These buildouts don't have to just stay on the farm. They can be used to support the grain silos, the livestock feedlots, the rail and trucking industry, as well as the shipping industry to get product to market. It can support the traceability of food with blockchain. You think about the cost of recalling product off the shelf at grocery stores. And if you have better traceability, you can reduce the need to do as much of that and collect items quicker and be more timely in your reaction to diseases that would push through on food products. There are many aspects that can be developed with better connectivity. Research and development will accelerate for the whole system when everyone has an integrated network. However, to truly realize this, let's review the needs of the network to serve from farm to fork. Most precision ag instruments are proprietary, so an open radio access network with cloud edge computing and strong fiber build outs with wireless technology on the farm site, the warehouse, the feedlot, and the silos can rapidly upgrade the farm management ecosystem. By using all the instruments in a coordinated effort, it can aggregate and digest huge amounts of information that will benefit all members of the suppliers and consumers of the farmer's harvest. If a farmer can own their data, they can be in control of their farm's future. So to ensure that the farmer owns their own data, these systems on the farm and at various points of the supply chain should be private 5G wireless systems rather than public systems. They must be connected to public network providers through fiber connections, however, otherwise there is not sufficient throughput for the data to be real time. And I will say this, where we can deploy fiber, we absolutely need to do so. We have to use the right tool for the right job on the right equipment. I will mention that just as with all technology, it is only as good as its weakest link. So when there is no redundancy built into the system and little resiliency, the investment is a poor representative of the end state goal. We need to have more than one method of connectivity. So other technologies such as LEO satellites, while not the ideal setup currently, they can offer support to the overall system with more limited transmission capacity. And you think about these farms, and you saw on the first slide that one thing about most farms is that they're over a fairly small area. Um, You know, 640 acres is basically one square mile. There are vast areas out west, especially, where those ranches are much bigger, where you have livestock grazing going on, and so, that the need to be able to reach further out is much more limited, uh, or the need is high, but the capacity to do so is limited. So once again, what I say is the right tool for the right application uh, in the right situation is very, very important and can't be um, forgotten. And so I would all love to see fiber be everywhere, I truly, truly would. The reality is is that there are other ways to do this that also include fiber, but we have to make sure that we're doing it in a cost-effective, business-sustainable manner. So that's, I think, something that has to be very much reviewed as we move forward. I think what we have to to, um, take a look at is really what the USDA and FCC have, have put together here over this last few years. And so some of the recommendations that have just come to light in this workout with the FCC and the task force is that we have to have more money placed into this system. It can't come from the family farmer because they just frankly can't afford to do so. And quite frankly, the ISPs can't afford to take out large loans to be able to do so either. There has to be more money placed into this effort in the right situations. Corporate ag can afford to do so. Family farmers cannot. And family farmers is really where some of this money needs to be focused. The FCC Precision Act Task Force recommended to the FCC that Congress invest 10 to $23 billion into this venture. The standards for service would require at least 100 megabits per second down and 20 megabits per second up with a preference for 100 megabits per second symmetrical but they also believe that the minimum bandwidth will grow to a gigabit per second symmetrical within five years and this report was just done i mean this literally is frankly quite hot off the press however congress so far has had really 10 ears to the effort they all want broadband because it's readily apparent i mean if if you if they don't understand that i think we have major issues um, beyond what we think we have today but the issue is they quickly get lost in precision ag. They don't really understand what it is and how it applies and how they can help. So I would encourage each of you on this call to get a hold of your state and federal representatives and advocate for precision agriculture. The unconnected farmers will subscribe and drive production and the recovery of rural America with the right investments at the right locations. And just so you know this task force that that I represented Secretary Perdue on, that was not made up of just politicians. It was not made up of academia, academics. It was not made up of bureaucrats. It was made up of producers as well as everyone from across the spectrum of the food supply chain. We had representatives from John Deere, Land of Lakes. I mean, you name it, we, we had everybody involved in this, this effort and I hope this effort continues with the FCC, but I think it's important but right now, unfortunately, the only designation for precision ag and federal funding is a future second round of auctions for a billion dollars from the FCC. It is a future promise on money that's not yet available for less than a tenth of what is needed. So if we are to solve the digital divide in rural America, it is a path to do right. And it is something that we should warrant for Congress's attention and state government's attention. Many states are building their state broadband offices and policies now. Precision Ag needs to be at the table to make take rates create sustainable business models for ISPs in rural areas. And as you can see, there are lots of money flowing to broadband and it'll continue to do so. And so far, what we've seen is a focus on both access and now affordability. But the affordability has really been focused on urban low-income families affordability hasn't been reviewed for the rural farmer, the family farmer who has limited income, but has a huge return capacity for the United States and the world. And that's really why I'm here talking to you today, because I want to make sure that you have the tools to deliver a return on investment for the family farmer, so that the world can really prosper from it. I think this is something that everyone can engage in and everyone will benefit from. However, right now it's a haphazard and scattered approach in many cases without a focus on the economies of the very communities it's connecting. It is a bridge halfway. We need specific congressional appropriations and authorizations in the upcoming bills to change this course and truly realize all that precision ag can attain for the world. So with that, I will open it up to questions and uh, have anyone's
0: comments. Hey, Chad, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really critical that we're able to really protect um, our availability of, uh, of our food source and to be able to get greater yields. Uh, so while I would love to, you know, say, hey, let's change a sentence or two in the current infrastructure bill, the problem is that opens a huge can of worms and we just don't have the votes to be able to to do that because if the House, um changes a word then it gets to go back to the senate and that we don't know if this thing will get through if we do that so if there a path to rus i mean wouldn't that be a path with uh, reconnect or one of those uh, programs with the money that's being topped off on rus
1: that's why i say it you know even a, a word would be helpful because right now there is no way to change it without specific authorization um I tried to add it in as administrator and couldn't. It wasn't legally allowed to be able to do so. Um, I will mention this, but let's say that it doesn't come in the infrastructure bill. There's annual appropriations bill. That's how ReConnect was originally started, It was an annual appropriations bill. So even a sentence in that, in that legislation would be awful. The upcoming farm bill, which people are starting to work on now, it can be included in that. The problem that we have is that once you build it, that area is served. So it's not necessarily eligible for federal funding. So the longer we wait, the more of an issue it is, and the more that has to be changed in these federal programs. So that's why I'm trying to find different ways to be able to attack this issue. I'd love to see it implemented in this infrastructure bill. I think it's an appropriate place for it. However, like I said, Congress has had 10 years on us, and I think it's a dangerous precedent that there is 10 years from Congress on rural America um it is a very bad idea to not be serving the very communities that are needing this type of implementation so it needs to be done soon um as we all know and you know congressional appropriations bills uh get drafted during this time they also uh should be done even if you have continuing resolutions and go through government shutdowns like i had to do uh we'll probably see it um by the end of the calendar year so this is stuff that uh there's time to change it, but it needs to be changed soon.
0: Great. Uh, so one of the questions that came in is, what role of any do large ag corporations play in driving the rural fiber services push?
1: I think they have a huge impact. Um, one, because of their, their lobbying capacity as well as their buying power. Um, the problem is, is that when big ag is the one putting the money in, they're gonna be the ones who own it. They're gonna be the ones who own the data and the farmer still doesn't control his own future. her own future. So um, I think that they have a a big stake in this, um, whether it be Land Lakes, whether it be John Deere, any of those organizations, but um, you know, Farm Bureau, I think they have an important role in this as well um, because you have to have somebody that's going to represent the family farmer, not just Big Ag. Big Ag often dictates um, the market, they make the market, so to speak. And so I think that um, you've got to have representation for the less represented ag producer in this uh, environment.
0: Yeah, so one of the questions that came in is kind of what we see in a lot of automation. It's, it's The question is, it seems that precision agriculture will decrease the number of farm employees needed to work manage a uh, farm operations. You know, that's a negative outcome. Is there a way that precision agriculture decisions can actually increase the number of human resources required to manage the, the farmer operation?
1: Well, I, I think that there's a couple of things. Um, one, there's a severe shortage of low wage farm uh, workers. So, that's really what we're talking about reducing you know it it leads into other issues such as immigration and things of that nature but the more robotics you place on it the less need you have for low-wage farm labor so what you have is a need for for higher wages uh more skilled labor um having said that it takes a long time to and not everyone is going to implement robotics across the full spectrum of operations Uh, It takes a long time to get from having large equipment down to the type of equipment that will allow robotics to run row crop operations for corn and for soybeans, as well as uh, handling of livestock. The human interaction still has to happen, but quite frankly, a lot of the uh, family farmers, they struggle to, to get friends and family to help with harvest every year. So the more that they have capacity to be able to use what tools that they have without having the added cost, the better off they are, because you hate to see people fail due to a a labor shortage. And quite frankly, that's where the shortage and the gap is, is in that low wage area. So if we can help that, I think that is a a positive outcome for rural America, because the wages that will be there will be for higher wages for people.
0: Absolutely. Well, Chad, I wish we had more time to discuss this, but we really appreciate uh, you sharing your, your knowledge and expertise and insights. And we really appreciate that everything that you've done for rural America and everything you're doing for rural America. So it's really great to, to see all your efforts. Next week, we're gonna be discussing making a difference with juice and fiber with John Vanske, uh, CEO of Simo uh, Electric Co-op and Go Simo Fiber as he discussed how to add value to your enterprise by encouraging your staff members to cross train each other and your business partners. So you're not going to want to miss that. Thanks again for joining us today. And we look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. Have a great week, everyone.